Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. This last week, I've been listening to a book by Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah that came out a couple months back called What Happened to You? It's about the devastating impact that trauma can have on our bodies mentally, physically, and emotionally. It is a great read and filled with tons of research and powerful stories that really demonstrate the effect of trauma on the body, especially in children. Research shows that 50% of children have experienced trauma, and it's important to know how it shows up in our bodies and how it impacts the way that we react to the world and the relationships around us. As a person who experienced trauma as a child, I know the damage it can have on the body. I believe it's why I have been a stressaholic most of my life, leveraging my productivity to prove my worth in the world. In the book, there is one story that really sticks out to me regarding today's topic which is how stress contributes to insulin resistance, diabetes, and stubborn weight. Halfway through the book, Dr. Bruce Perry shares the story of type 1 diabetic teenage girl who was admitted to the hospital due to crazy insulin levels that are potentially life-threatening. The doctor initially gets her stable, but they have to keep her in the hospital for several days because her blood sugar levels are all over the place and they can't seem to find the right insulin dosage for her, which is very unusual. After several days of this, they begin to think that she's sabotaging herself. She's sneaking food or desserts or cheating, and it's spiking her blood sugars and throwing off her medication. So they end up having Dr. Bruce Perry come in and talk to her to see what is going on. And he quickly learns that weeks prior, she and some friends were hanging out at the park when gunfire went off close by, and a stray bullet ended up hitting the girl's best friend sitting at the picnic table next to her, and her best friend, close to dying, was rushed off in an ambulance to the hospital, fighting for her life. Unfortunately, none of her doctors seemed to know that this traumatic incident happened just weeks prior to this girl and her best friend. It also happens to be that the hospital room the teenage girl with the type 1 diabetes is in is very close to the emergency room, where ambulances with sirens are blaring, coming and going all day long just like the ambulance that picked up her dying friend in the park weeks prior. And it just so happened that as Dr. Bruce Perry is interviewing her, an ambulance pulls up with a siren and the girl snaps her head towards the window and freezes. It was at this moment Dr. Perry checks her resting pulse rate and realizes that it is very, very high for her specifically sitting there with him resting. And he quickly realizes that every time she hears these sirens coming from the ambulances, which are multiple times during the day, her body's stress response system fires up and then cortisol and adrenaline co-elevate insulin just in case her body needs that extra glucose energy to run or fight. So her insulin levels continue to be unstable because she keeps having to use it when she is reliving that trauma when the sirens go off in her room. Now, after they make this discovery, they move her to a different room on the other side of the hospital where you cannot hear the sirens, and they bring in someone to talk to her about what happened to her friend, 
They were able to stabilize her insulin dosage and she was able to finally go home where she was able to fully process the trauma that she experienced when her friend was hit by that stray bullet. Now I share this story today because blood sugar levels, insulin, weight gain, metabolic function are not as simple as what and when you eat. Although that makes up a big percentage of it. What we eat and when we eat does dictate how our blood sugar levels function daily. But there are other major factors to consider when it comes to stabilizing blood sugar levels and reducing the risk of prediabetes and type 2 diabetes, amongst other comorbidities as well. These factors include a sedentary lifestyle, sleep deprivation, chronic stress, and clearly trauma as the story indicated, based on what happened to this teenage girl with type 1 diabetes. Now, we know for a fact that stress drives insulin resistance and blood sugar spikes without us even realizing it. Upregulating the stress response system can be the equivalent of eating a cupcake without ever having one in your sight, let alone eating one. That's how dangerous stress can be on the body. That's how powerful it can elicit physiological and metabolic responses in the body. That's why stress is a silent killer when it's overused because most of us are unconscious that we're actually even experiencing it. So what happens to your body when your stress response system is activated by running late to a meeting or getting an emergency text message from a family member or you feeling triggered by what your partner said to you earlier in the day? Well, let me quickly break it down for you by starting from the top. Because the connection between you running late to a meeting and your body responding like you just ate a cupcake can feel very, very confusing. This all stems from the fact that your brain's number one job is to protect you from dangerous situations. When the brain perceives a threat, a structure called the amygdala in the brain, in the limbic brain specifically, hijacks the brain into emergency mode. I call this the stranger danger part of our brain. Now, the amygdala is great at sensing danger and has been known to overreact when it's receiving perceived stress signals, like the ones you may experience when you watch or even read the news these days. Now, this primitive emotional center of the brain is hardwired specifically to create a fight or flight or freeze response when this part of the brain perceives a threat to your survival, which, yes, can feel very much like a crazy text message that you're getting or a tiger chasing you down, right? Your brain isn't able to distinguish between the two. Now, these systems are in place to protect us in the short term from acute stress, like the crazy tigers chasing you down. But what if this very system that helps you to survive short-term threats is constantly activated as it often is for many of us today? I am sure you can imagine living in a survival mode state is exhausting to the body and it quickly depletes our metabolic reserves and key nutrients. I'm talking minerals, cofactors, antioxidants, vitamins, pretty much everything. We can only run on fumes for so long. So what happens exactly when we engage our stress response system due to a potential threat like getting in a fight with a partner? Well, the brain sends a signal out and adrenaline and cortisol flood the nervous system, leading to blood pressure rising, your breathing gets shallower, your blood sugar spikes, and your heart beats faster. Your thoughts speed up, you feel a strong urge to do something right now, like maybe fire back at your partner or run or 
you know, there's so many different ways that we respond to being triggered. You just may feel very, very reactive. And this is because cortisol, what I call the wear and tear hormone, is literally flooding your body and you are feeling the need to release that energy, right? And that's where you can just feel so angry, so mad, so triggered. You just want to like scream at somebody because you've been flooded with this wear and tear hormone. Now, the stress response system that begins in the limbic brain, the primitive emotional centers of the brain has a profound impact on the metabolism, right? That's the deal. Because when we are in this scenario, your body literally thinks that you need energy, hence the need for glucose in your muscles and your cells to potentially flee the situation. And as you probably have experienced when you've had this response happen to you in the past week or maybe in the last month, maybe even today, I had a moment today where I felt a major flood of cortisol. I got triggered by something and immediately knew that I had fired off my stress response system. I mean, it happens more often than we think. And here's the thing is our modern day life sets the stage for more frequent episodes of stress. Social media, endless doomsday news, constant to-do lists, social isolation more than ever, division among friends and family about COVID and politics, environmental pollutants, trying to figure out safe travel in school, stepping up to take care of family or people that you love in your life, just to name a few, being a caretaker. All of this is driving these stress response system modes. And I have a feeling that at some point in your day-to-day, you have felt a bit rushed or triggered or stressed, especially with an eight-month-old baby. Kingston literally just turned eight months yesterday. I find myself activating my stress response system more than I have in the past five years or so. Being a mama can be very stress-inducing in its own right, and I feel the effects of it. I am no stranger to over-activating my stress response system. And in some ways, because they are long-standing patterns due to trauma from much earlier in life, my body is practically addicted to over-firing off those corticosteroids like cortisol, and it wears and tears on the body. Now, it is in no way surprising that a frequent activation of our stress response system is causing more insulin resistance and poor metabolic function. Consider the following finding in the Journal of Hormones. Chronic stress can lead to overeating, co-elevation of cortisol and insulin, the suppression of certain anabolic hormones and white blood cells. This state of metabolic stress in turn promotes abdominal visceral fat, Both the direct stress response and the accumulation of abdominal visceral fat can promote systemic inflammation and oxidative stress. Basically, in a nutshell, when we are chronically stressed all the time, not only makes us want to eat more, but it co-elevates cortisol and insulin that drives a state of major metabolic dysfunction that leads to belly fat, brain fog, stubborn weight gain, and then ultimately leads to systemic inflammation, right? And, you know, we all know someone, maybe even ourselves, who is somewhere in the spectrum of that, watching that unfold, hence why I think this is such an important episode today. Now, the constant activation of the long-term stress response system erodes our resilience. And I'm talking about our body's resilience, our cellular resilience, our mitochondrial resilience. And it depletes our metabolic reserve because it takes a lot of energy to always be in survival mode. You and I both know that, right? You think about how much energy it takes to constantly be in that rushing state of go, go, go. It is exhausting, 
literally exhausting. Like how often are you finding yourself saying like, I am just so tired, right? That's because we are driving this system to the ground. At the point that, you know, when if you were to wear a continuous glucose monitor, it can look like a major blood sugar spike. And I'm telling you, occasionally this happens to me throughout the week when I'm really feeling flooded with cortisol. I will have a really big blood sugar spike. I'll hit like 160 milligrams per deciliter, way above the normal. And guess what? I didn't eat anything. I kind of wish I would have had something like a chocolate bar (laughs) that made that blood sugar spike worth it. And sure enough, it's my brain telling my body that I better run or fight because my body's literally dumping glucose into the bloodstream for my muscles to use it. Yet there is no fight. There's no need for me to run. I'm literally just rushing around trying to knock off my to-do list or I'm feeling triggered by something someone said to me. Now, because the overactivation of stress is so detrimental, I want to share some of the most common symptoms when we experience chronic stress. So as I mentioned earlier, exhaustion, fatigue, feeling tired, chronic illnesses, co-infections, no surprise, stress completely downregulates the immune system in a big way. Sleep issues because of that mental chatter, irritability, anxiety, feeling depressed, insulin resistance, sugar, carbs, fat, caffeine, and salt cravings. Yes to all of those things. I've definitely felt all of those at one point in time and all of them at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Tired around three or four o'clock most afternoons, hence the need for sugar, carbs, fat, caffeine, and salt at that time. Weight gain, especially belly fat, getting sick more often than you used to, hormone problems, brain fog, forgetfulness, digestive issues, and Hajimoto symptoms or other autoimmune conditions driven by exhaustion. Over time, this can put you at risk for heart disease, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, headaches, sleep problems, chronic anxiety, and depression. This is one reason why it's so important, or many reasons, to have habits and rituals in place to reduce your chronic stress. So given the landscape of how stress mitigates metabolic dysfunction, right, stubborn weight gain, systemic inflammation, What do we do to stop it, right? It's one thing to know this is happening. It's one thing to have this information, but how do we actually mitigate it, right? Especially, as I mentioned earlier, for so many of us, it's unconscious. We don't even know what's happening. So I wanna share a little bit about exactly how to do this. And I have used these strategies a lot, especially since Kingston was born. And during the pandemic, most importantly, I have noticed that my stress response system is activated more than I would like, some days more than others. So when this happens to me, I put the practices that I'm about to share with you in place. And that first step is awareness that you are actually, you can feel yourself getting flooded with cortisol. So you've got to notice when you're triggered. Train yourself to monitor for signs that the primitive reactive brain has taken over and driven your thinking brain offline. You may notice physiological signs like you're feeling hot and sweaty, your face is getting flushed, your breathing becomes shallower or your heart is beating faster. You may feel a rush of anxiety and you may even confuse that for like a rush of energy, but no, it's anxiety or your thoughts begin to speed up. You may be stuck in a fearful way of thinking in a loop of fearful thoughts or thoughts that are just moving very, very fast and unable to see a different perspective. You may even feel panicky and want to act impulsively. I can relate to all of these things. Now, it may take some practice to notice them, but the more that you do, the easier it gets to build new brain pathways. So number two, 
once you recognize that you're flooded, right? That you all the, the signs are there. You're like, okay, I'm in my stress response system. Number two is to focus on your senses and your breathing. So that next thing is to stop what you're doing, take a break, focus on taking charge of your physiology. Focusing on your senses in the moment or moving around slowly helps you to recover from that freeze response. If you're in the fight or flight response, the best way to calm down is to slow down your breathing. Take breath into the belly, like do the big belly breaths. This activates the vagal response, right? The vagal tone and the parasympathetic nervous system to put the brakes on the sympathetic nervous system, right? So we want to move you into a physiological state of rest and digest. When the brain perceives the safety signals throughout the system, it will stop producing cortisol and return to baseline. And if you want to be proactive, you can actually send the brain safety signals even before you ever find yourself experiencing stress or panic. Safety signals to the brain are very powerful and effective, and they tell the brain that it's okay and that there's nothing to panic about. So what are safety signals that we can do proactively? One, self-care, like do a little bit of journaling in the morning, walking outside in the morning, meditating, breathing in an essential oil. I'm gonna be sharing my favorite self-care rituals in just a moment as a caretaker today, because it's very different than what it was before I was caring for my son and my family. And I want you to know that these are very powerful because they anchor you to your physical and emotional well-being. Number three, reach out to a friend or family member. Today, we are so blessed with video technology that allows us to talk to friends and family in distant locations. That means even your grandparents, aunt or uncle, even people with high risk, we can get in front of them, right? And what's so great about it is when you connect with a person that you care about, this will literally calm down that fight or flight. It's like the tend and befriend scenario. That's another thing about when we activate this response system, that as women, we have a superpower to tend and befriend. So grab your phone, or grab Zoom, use FaceTime, get on the phone with a friend. If you've got someone close by, give someone a hug, touch, boost that oxytocin because that will help to lower cortisol as well. And then number four is to bookend your day with morning and evening rituals, even if they're just like three to five minutes, because that will help to basically reestablish new neural pathways that ensure that the next time something happens, you don't fire up the way that you had in the past. And that to me, that has been one of my most preventative and proactive ways of managing my stress response system. Let's say, for instance, when it comes to me that my trauma patterns are so ingrained that they are easily fired back up. And so what I've learned is how can I be proactive so that my body doesn't lock up and fire off that stress response system because it's just used to it, in a way addicted to it. So I'm going to share a little bit about how I've bookend my day with morning and evening rituals to kind of protect my body on a physiological level. No surprise, self-care is so critical to reducing stress levels. I can attest to it. So adding one or two things that you can do for yourself in the morning and before going to bed is so critical. So I'm going to share, like I said, a couple of the things that I love to do. In the morning, I love to get outside and walk in nature. 
I have my affirmations and I do some two to three minute breath work where I'm just breathing into my diaphragm and making sure that I am activating that vagal tone to just relax the nervous system. Also eating healthy, hydration, Gratitude journaling, aromatherapy, day setting, meditation, all of these are phenomenal. Meditation, probably one of the most powerful ways to really release some of these trauma patterns. Now for evening rituals, practicing sleep hygiene is a must, right? Diffusing your calming oils like lavender, read a good novel or a great book, listen to a calming sleep meditation. Again, put away all those electronics because guess what? They've got social media in them and the news and that can really fire up the mental chatter. And if you are feeling indulgent, maybe even run an Epsom salt bath. I know that that's not always possible. I know because I've taken like one Epsom salt bath since Kingston was born, so I totally get it. Now, some other simple strategies that I think are really great is I love to be able to pair essential oils with a breath ritual, right? And one of my favorite breath rituals is called the power of the pause, where you take a breath, hold it for a couple seconds, and then release it, and hold it for a couple seconds, and then repeat. And this helps to literally reprogram that stress response system. Now, if you pair that with a cedar wood or a lavender or bergamot or tangerine or whatever oil feels super good to you, it's going to even amplify that positive benefit. Now, a couple of blends that I love, a blend that I just absolutely love that dials down the HPA axis, the stress response system, is going to be my stress relief roller blend. So in a 10 mil roller, seven drops of frankincense or Roman chamomile, seven drops of lavender, and five drops of bergamot. And you can apply this to the back of your neck, temples, wrist, the mastoids, which is the little bump right behind your ear. All of these are great, great places to help to release stress and release tense emotions. The other thing that I mentioned is trying a mindful meditation for five to 10 minutes, because again, this is huge at helping to clear a lot of these trauma patterns that could be persisting unknowingly that is driving a lot of the stress response system. Personally, I love Ziva meditation. And recently I had the creator of Ziva, Emily Fletcher, is a dear friend of mine on the show. She was on episode 168. So if you want to dive deeper, if meditation has been on the docket for you and you've been wanting to learn more about it, Emily's strategy or technique is phenomenal. And it's a meditation technique that has worked for me for many, many years now that I just love that I can share with you. And then last but not least, it's always going to be about nutrition and supplementation. So always be open to trying adaptogenic herbs like rhodiola and ashwagandha. These actually work by down-regulating the stress response system or drinking chamomile or holy basil tea known as Tulsi tea. Now, although I shared many different ways to actively reduce your stress response system, I want you to know that you don't have to do all of them, right? The last thing I want to do in this episode is overwhelm you by like, here's all these rituals and all these things that you can do. Just pick one or two that feels really good to you to start. The goal is never to overwhelm you and having to do a bunch of homework. The goal is to just support your body and really protect your energy and your emotional well-being. So whatever that is that helps to protect your emotional well-being, that's the thing for you. 
And for me, it's gratitude journaling, using my oils, walking, making relaxing herbal teas. Those are the things that help. Also, I take a lot of supplements to support my stress response system, my cellular energy, and my mitochondria. I know that I've had a lot of damage in the past and that I need to be vigilant about taking care of my body every single day. That is just the way it is for me. So I take rhodiola every single day, especially when I'm feeling anxious. I also take ashwagandha together. I have them combined with American ginseng inside of my adrenal love blend. The other thing that I love to do is I love, love to take magnesium and Zen sleep, my Zen sleep blend before bed because it's phenomenal at shutting down the mental chatter. And I'll be honest with you, I am so desperate for sleep these days. I want to make sure that when I fall asleep, I fall asleep immediately when my head hits the pillow. I don't want to be just laying there, running my thoughts through my head. I want to be able to shut that down. And when I take the magnesium and the Zen sleep about 30 to 45 minutes before bed, it works like a charm. I just literally pass out. And lastly, I want to recommend what you can do for stabilizing blood sugar levels and supporting insulin sensitivity. Many of us women, especially as we hit our 40s, we just become naturally more insulin resistant. And I want to improve that sensitivity for all of us. So recommending 500 milligrams of vitamin C, so many benefits to taking 500 milligrams of vitamin C. If you can break that up to 250 milligrams morning and night, even better. Because vitamin C, we use it very quickly. So if we can get it a couple times during the day, even better. 500 milligrams of berberine, which is powerful at helping to stabilize blood sugar levels. If you take 500 milligrams of berberine before dessert or before carbs, it will actually help to stabilize blood sugar levels. And then 200 micrograms of chromium and then 5,000 units of vitamin D with K2. Those are all gonna be profound at stabilizing blood sugar levels and protecting insulin. Luckily, because this is such an important part of healing our bodies, a lot of the supplements that I talk about, I actually carry because it's important for my ladies, my community to have effective and therapeutic dosage that really get results. I am so over taking supplements that don't move the needle for me. I did that for many years because I just didn't know it's a waste of time and money. And guess what? Your health is worth too much to not take supplementation and nutrition seriously these days, especially when we're talking about insulin resistance, diabetes, and stubborn weight. Now, if you are looking for some really powerful therapeutic supplementation, I will have the link to the Essentially Whole store inside of the show notes for this episode 293. And at the end of the day, the big takeaway from this episode is that chronic stress is not doing any of us any favors, especially metabolically. I would say it's a major player in driving women further into insulin resistance and even prediabetes. Luckily, there are a lot of things that we can do about it, right? It's about lifestyle. And the most important thing to walk away from this conversation is that it's consistent implementing of these strategies and tools every single day. For me, most of my self-care, supplementation, nutrition, emotional and stress regulation rituals that I do every single day are absolutely necessary to help to maintain a calm central nervous system, right? This is about consistency. And I've noticed that when I'm not consistent, I am more triggered. I flood my stress response system easier. I'm not able to have the resilience. I'm not well-resourced and I end up just 
firing off that stress response system way too often. So I know that if I do these non-negotiables, the self-care, the supplements, the nutrition, the emotional and stress regulation rituals that I mentioned earlier, like meditation and gratitude journaling, if I do those every single day, I am a much better wife, mom, friend, businesswoman, community member. I mean, all the things. I just show up so much better in the world and I don't overreact. Like I don't overreact my stress response system. So I just wanted to share that with you because I feel like this is happening to more and more of us every single day and it's having a profound impact on our, not only our metabolic function, but also just systemic inflammation overall. And when we understand what's happening to our bodies, we can then make educated decisions about what to do to support our bodies. So I want to say thank you so much for listening in today on the Essentially You podcast. This show is about providing tools to rock your hormones and help you feel amazing in your body. Now, if there's someone in your life that needs to hear this today, take a moment and screenshot the episode and send it to them or simply share on social. That way we continue to spread the word about hormone literacy. Now, if you're going to share this episode on social, which I highly recommend you do, definitely hashtag hormone literacy or Hormone CEO. That way we get more women in the community who really own their hormone health. Now coming up next Tuesday, I am excited to bring on a dear friend of mine, Deborah Atkinson. And it's literally on the topic that I think we all wanna cube into a little bit more. And it's how to make the right exercises work for you post-pandemic, or at least kind of in this intermediate place of the pandemic. Exercise is such a powerful healer for the body, stress, heart, the brain. I'm so excited to dive into this episode with you. And until then, have an amazing, amazing weekend.